Okay, hello everyone. Back answering questions. I'm actually going to re-answer a question. So some of you may have already caught the last broadcast um, last month. Um, but I, I want to re-answer the question about about depression. So I'll try and be brief. This won't be a long video. And uh, we have a couple of things, to, announcements at the end as well. So the first thing to say about depression and anxiety. The question was about depression, but depression and anxiety, I think, are two good examples of common mental illnesses. There are others, um, but uh, they, they follow the similar ideas and principles. So I don't think it's necessary to uh, to talk about or to, to go into detail with all of them. We'll take these two as exemplary. But the first thing to say about them uh, is that in principle, Mindfulness meditation helps us deal with and overcome them. Mindfulness meditation, I think it's stronger than that. It not only helps us deal with them, but um, if practiced properly, of course that's a big caveat, it has to be practiced and it has to be practiced proper, properly. Um, but if so, uh, it really is enough to overcome and free oneself from uh, issues of anxiety and depression and 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 a lot of other mental illnesses I've talked about things like schizophrenia and schizophrenia is another really good example it's very different but uh, what little I know about schizophrenia from reading and, and listening is uh, is also similarly appropriate and I think surprisingly uh, similar to or, or this video is surprisingly applicable to schizophrenia as well but that's not really what I want to talk about in this video how how uh, because what that means is I usually don't answer questions about mental illness if someone asks me how do I, I think the question was simply how do I free myself from depression? How does one free oneself from depression? Because the answer is quite simply, um, I mean, it's very much, that's the purpose of what I do, of what we teach and, and practice. And uh, so making a video on it, uh, it it's not really uh, going to say anything in that sense, uh, beyond just talking about, well, practice meditation. It would be an explanation of how to do mindfulness meditation. But there are, I think, two uh, related factors, which I do want to talk about, that one would ar might argue get in the way of practicing mindfulness properly for one who has a mental illness like anxiety or depression. So this is what I want to talk about. The first factor or issue and these are really issues that I think it wouldn't be 
too far-fetched to criticize modern medicine for um, falling prey to or or getting wrong. No, I think it's too much to have a blanket statement that all of modern medicine gets it wrong. But I think in general, not just medicine, but um, you know our popular understanding of these things, what we get wrong. And the first one, first one is to to reify them. This word reify has very important applications in Buddhism. To reify means, from my understanding, my use of the word here, means to create something out of out of less, really. To to give something existence. So when we say, "I have an anxiety problem," we've created that concept. We've created an entity, and it's monolithic. It's it's how do you? It's atomic in the sense of being indivisible. That's what the word atomic means as well. How how do you how do you deal with it? I mean, it, it then becomes a thing that you have to get rid of. Right? You have to get rid of the thing now because it's 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 atomic or it's monolithic. You've created something. And this is key in in Buddhism. Um, in, there was this very ancient. Because um, we have a story in ancient times after the Buddha passed away, and the monks were all gathered to well, trying to figure out what what was the Buddha's actual teaching. That Buddhism had split into a number of different schools, and. A lot of them were teaching things that certainly didn't bear any resemblance to the original teachings. Were quite far-fetched ideas. And the king asked this one monk, "What did the Buddha teach? What, who, what sort of a teacher was the Buddha?" And, and the answer was, and this was the correct answer: the Buddha was a vibhajavadi. Vibhaja means one who dissects, one who uh, splits apart, right? one who splits the atom, kind of. So if you have this atom called anxiety, or, or I have clinical depression, I'm depressed, right? Uh, you, you split this atom, this is what, what Buddhism aims to do, and it's about separating the uh, condition, the problem, the illness, into its constituent parts, into realities. Because depression doesn't exist, anxiety doesn't exist. What exists are moments of experience. At, a, at an ultimate level, that's what we're dealing with. For anxiety, there will be moments, uh, there, there will be the moment of experiencing. Let's suppose I have to get up and on a stage in front of a hundred people or a thousand people and give a talk. That experience, the awareness of that, even just the thought of it, I'll be sitting backstage or something or in the audience waiting for my turn, and I think about going up on stage, and that thought is an experience. And of course, immediately after that, there might arise anxiety, which is another experience. After that experience of anxiety, there will be other uh, 
phenomena that arise. There may be butterflies in the stomach, or a heart beating fast, or tension in the shoulders. And based on those experiences, other experiences will arise. Right? I'll, I'll feel the butterflies growing in my stomach, and it will make me more anxious, or my heart beating fast, and I'll get afraid, or I'll become worried that um, maybe I'll give a poor talk, or maybe uh, people will notice my, my uh, shaky voice. That makes me more anxious. And, and this is how people get into panic attacks, right? They build themselves up and uh, enter the sort of feedback loop based on moments of experience. And so when someone has a panic attack, this is what I imagine it to be when they've just spiraled so far out of control and the habit is so strong, the cycle is so strong, the causal chain is so strong and so quick so ingrained in them that they're unable to get themselves out of it. With depression, similar. There's experiences and then there's maybe something bad happened to you. What could be one thing? And you're, you're uh, maybe you just get sad. Um, but then it becomes a habit, and you start to get more sad when you think about it, and, and you try to get rid of the thought, and so the thought becomes uh, you know, a source of, of uh, aversion. And of course, because you're giving it this energy, and there's this energy involved with avoiding things or disliking things that you know, create more thoughts and so on. So all of this is just to say that the solution from Buddhist, a Buddhist perspective is to break things into, into its constituent parts. That's a, the first important part of things. The second aspect of this, and it, it's involved in the same sort of practice, and it involves another thing that we get wrong about things like anxiety and depression, is to fall into a negative relationship with them. To call something a mental illness, um, even to call something bad, isn't a, in and of itself a problem. But I don't think we're well um, capable or, or ready to or, or familiar with the difference between intellectually calling something bad and feeling bad about it. Right? So we feel bad about our depression. We feel averse to it. We feel bad about our anxiety. We want to get rid of it. Right? I think these two things together, taking a thing as a monolithic problem and seeing it as a problem, you know, feeling bad about it, are the sorts of things that lead us to uh, take medication to try to get rid of it, to try to not have to deal with it. You know, from my perspective, taking medication for, for mental illness, it should never have to happen. I understand why it does, but I think uh, these are two reasons why we tend to, first of all, think about taking medication to, to cover it up, really. You know flood our system with serotonin and so on, with, with brain chemicals that prevent us from, uh, from following the habits that we normally would, right? Getting into these cycles. 
because we see it as a problem, a problem. Right? And because we see experiences, because experiences trigger negative reactions in us. So for the first thing about breaking, breaking a problem up into his experiences, I mean, that's useful to help us see what's really going on. But the second part, uh, the idea that we, we have a negative reaction to things, a negative mind states that, that arise based on our problems, that's where the real issue is. And that's what we really come to see and come to change. I mean, intellectually, I think we have to grasp this idea of, of, of not reacting negatively, of, of the fact that our reactions are what causes us suffering. So all of the physical uh, aspects of anxiety, for example, the butterflies in our stomach, the heart beating fast, the tension and, and headaches and whatever, they're not, first of all, they're distinct from the actual anxiety. They are not anxiety, they're physical. But second of all, they're not a problem. And if we can see them as just experiences, then we won't react to them, first of all. Second of all, the actual uh, anxiety, depression, whatever, fear could be any kind of quote-unquote mental illness. Well, on the one hand, there's no denying the fact that they are bad. What's really bad about them is that they're reactions. They're, bad, they're a bad reaction. And so reacting to them badly, if you don't like your anxiety, if you don't like being depressed, guess what you're doing? You're, you're feeding it. You're creating more anxiety, more depression. I think this is extremely um, easy to see in schizophrenia, for example. I mentioned schizophrenia. I just want to mention it here because my understanding of schizophrenia is that it involves hallucinations, what we call hallucinations. But you see, in Buddhism, in, in, in Buddhist meditation practice, we would call them experiences. So maybe you hear voices, maybe you see things, maybe you get thoughts that you think come from spirits or, or whatever. All of those, it's not really important that they are understood as hallucinations, it's important that they're understood as experiences and seen for what they are, and that we don't react to them. Right? So, if someone's telling you to kill yourself, there was a monk once I knew who apparently had voices telling him to kill himself. No, they're just voices. If I tell you to kill yourself, it doesn't mean you should. Right? Even if it were a real person, even if God tells you to do it, it's, it's really actually not sufficient reason to do it. Um, so, being able to see our experiences as experiences. I mean, that's, that's essentially what we do in mindfulness meditation. And so I think these two factors together, our ability to break things apart and, and just, at least conceptually, before we start to meditate, to understand this distinction between turning things into entities, like a depression, I have depression, and, and just seeing instead the basic building blocks of our experience. And secondly, to take those building blocks, including the problem, and seeing them objectively, um, neutrally. It's a very important aspect. Let it just be what it is. And try to create this ability 
to see things objectively. It's really what allows for wisdom to arise. It's, a, it's what allows us to see clearly, and it's what allows us to let go. Because our attachments involve really delusion, ignorance, and, and a lack of understanding of what really real happiness and peace are. That happiness and peace can't come from uh, fixing things. It can't come from experiences. It has to come from the way we look at and the way we perceive and the way we relate to experiences peacefully, happily, and free from suffering. So there you go. Wow, a lot of people listening, watching. We have 76 viewers, which is really, uh, that's about as high as it gets. Uh, no comments, because I disabled comments. I think we'll keep comments disabled. It's a much more peaceful experience that way. I'm actually thinking, well, I think comments on videos is okay. I'm thinking about that, though. Uh, so I have at least one announcement, one that I can remember, and that's that we're moving. So here I am in our backyard. This is uh, the house that we're living in right now. But the house we're living in is, is a bit small. Uh, the meditators don't have a great experience with their accommodations. They don't seem to complain, which is great. It's a testament to how mindful one becomes that one can live. But they're living in the basement. And... Um, the rooms are not real be real bedrooms, they're, they're makeshift for student accommodation at the, for the university. So the place we're moving to is bigger. It has five bedrooms for meditators, and they're, they're actual real bedrooms. They're, they're, it's a nice new cookie-cutter home. Uh, and I will have my own apartment, so uh, in the same building, but a, a separate uh, living space with, you know, I don't have to uh, bump around with meditators going to the washroom or using the, the washing dishes and so on. Um, so all in all, it's going to be a much better sort of uh, situation for us to live in, I think. Uh, and we're moving this month, so next month we will uh, be in the new place. So for that reason, I may be I, uh, I mean, I haven't been that constant, but I'm, I may not yet get back into a very constant video routine. We'll have to see how the move goes, but next week should be more constant. I think that's it. If I have more announcements, I'll save them for next time. Anyway, thank you all for tuning in. I wish you all a good day, and uh, see you all soon.